0: Hey Retrospectors, for our third birthday we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions.
1: We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show and what we've learned along the way.
0: If you're already
2: supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com
0: slash retrospectors.
1: And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now.
0: So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. It's May 24th, 1976, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, The Retrospectors. I
2: wish they all could be California girls, the Beach Boys famously sang in 1965, <laughs> but Californian wines were much less popular. Ask any expert sommelier and they'd tell you, well, just the word sommelier gives you a clue, doesn't it, that the world's best wines were from France, ovs. And that was the prevailing wisdom until this day in 1976, when some of France's most renowned wine experts gathered together for a blind taste test and Sacrebleu. Preferred the tipple from Napa Valley, an event that became known as the Judgment
0: of Paris. And every invited journalist, save for one, uh, a reporter, George Tabor from Time magazine, turned the invitation down because I suppose the idea of putting the best French vintages against just new wines from the upstarts of Napa Valley in California everyone knew who was going to win that competition so why waste a day it's like inviting Olympic gymnastics judges to adjudicate a competition between proper Olympians and first-time amateurs it was just like a waste of everyone's time so why even bother turning up.
1: Yeah, and Tabor's account of the event is only four paragraphs long. It was obviously just intended to fill you know, a little spot in the corner of one of the pages of the magazine. But it does take a certain impish American delight in the idea of these snobby French judges inadvertently <laughs> praising the American wines because they were all served in unmarked bottles. So Tabor quotes one of them as saying... Ah, back to France after sipping a 1972 Napa Valley Chardonnay. And then another one after sampling a French wine saying, that is definitely California, it has no nose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the experts that were gathered there to do this blind taste test did have impeccable credentials. You had mm. Michelin-starred chefs, renowned chateau owners, Adette Kahn, the famous wine critic in France at the time, So it's not like they had any problem trying to get attendees, which probably tells Mm. you that people who write about wine like drinking wine and will go to the (laughs) opening of a bottle of wine. (laughs) Um, But does maybe tell you that they, equally to the journalists who didn't come, just assumed that, of course, they're going to rate the French ones the best, but it would be an interesting experiment to see what the Californian ones tasted like. They had no idea Mm. that the
0: results were going to come out skewed in favour of the Americans. It was a genuine shock the old story begins with a British man named Stephen Spurrier who ran a wine shop in Paris. And because Spurrier and his team spoke English, winemakers from the Napa Valley would often pass through town and show him the stuff that they'd made.
1: Yeah, it, it was Spurrier's business partner, Patricia Gallagher. She was American. And so she had this idea that for the bicentennial of the American Revolution, it, which was going to be in 1976, they should do a tasting of American wines. And so they put in a year of research. They went out and visited the Napa Valley and apparently some of the vineyards were less than thrilled to be considered. Some of them didn't even want to pay to ship their bottles out to Paris. In one (laughs) instance, a tour operator who was taking some Californian wine enthusiasts on a tour of France offered to bring some bottles with her in the luggage. That's how unenthused they were about it. (laughs) And then it was only a couple of weeks before this tasting was supposed to take place that Spurrier thought, you know, what would add a bit of spice and drama would be having the judges blind taste test them against French wines because he thought that if they were only tasting California. Californian wines, they would deliberately be very aloof and critical in their judgments.
2: And I guess he was thinking it's a nicer press story, isn't it? Rather than just writing lots of experts think Californian wine is nice. Let's go for some real big famous benchmark bordeaux burgundy wines so that when they come up with their top 10 of course california is not going to be number one but when they come up with their top 10 we can say you'll never guess what but in a blind taste test adet khan thought the californian wine was the fourth best after all these famous french names you've heard of that's what he thought would happen Mm. no one imagined that california was going to dominate the list
0: So they did the whites first and Spurrier went away and uh, tallied everything up. And before they moved on to the Reds, he announced to the judges what they had done, that they'd given the top score not to the Burgundy wine that they were expecting would come out on top, but to a 73 Chardonnay from Chateau Montalena, a boutique vineyard that's in Calistoga, California. They were so aghast that they then all put on their concentration hats and they were like, "Okay, we're going to really get the Reds right. But again, they got it wrong. Well, sort of.
1: only if you're friends. Well,
0: the, yeah, you've shown <laughs> yeah. your
1: colours there. Yeah, they gave the.
0: <laughs> so-
2: Aryan's a self-hating new world uh, (laughs) member of this panel.
0: How can we possibly be good enough?
1: (laughs) So the the top red wine again ended up being a Cabernet Sauvignon, a 1973 one from Stag's Leap Cellars in Napa Valley. The thing is that these top spots drew so much attention, but when you actually look at how they rank the wines, it was definitely not a washout for the French. So the second Mm. place in the whites category went to a French vintage, and then for the reds, the second, third, and fourth spots all went to Bordeaux wine. So it's not like the French were trounced. It was just that those headline figures just didn't go in their favour.
2: Yeah, but that's from a perspective of 2022, where we're used to the idea that you go to the supermarket and many of the best wines are from the New World. But that was not the case then, especially in France itself, because... Um, Of course, they have so much domestic wine that they only drink French wine. In California, they were used to importing wine from France and drinking their domestic wine. But people in France weren't even aware that California wine existed.
1: Yes, Spurrier was asked later how Californian wine was viewed at the time. And he said, California wine was not viewed. California wine did not exist.
0: (laughs) But I think the reason why it was so shocking was in both instances a non-french wine had been the winner you know and yes then the next best wines were french but That in itself was shocking. And apparently Mike Gurgic, who's a native Croatian who made the wine that came out on top in the whites category, said that he really didn't understand why it mattered until the New York Times called wanting to take his picture. And then he said, I started dancing around the winery and singing in Croatian that I was born again. It was a miracle. And so I think the sort of significance was lost even on some of the people who were involved in the production of the wine up until the point where the press started calling.
2: Well, it wasn't lost on the people in the room. I mean, Adet Khan asked for her notes back because she realised this would be so contentious, and Spuria had to say, no, sorry, you come to our tasting, these notes are, <laughs> are mine. And that's very difficult. I mean, he needed her to write about him and his wine shop for his career at this point. He's since gone on to become a very established wine writer and stuff himself. But, you know, he must have thought, have we pushed this a bit far? He'd marketed it as a fun educational comparison and must have realized, as Table clearly did, because he went back and filed that copy for time, that actually what he'd given was this competition with a shock judgment. Mm.
1: Yeah, and Tabor's short account ended up sort of snowballing in the American press. He was conceiving of this as a fun throwaway story about snobby French judges being shown up by plucky American wines. But what actually happened was, as you said, the New York Times picked up on it and then other American outlets, other world outlets. The one country whose press did not immediately pick up this story, as you could probably guess, was France. It wasn't even mentioned in the French press until it had garnered so much international attention that it couldn't be ignored.
2: And it must have made some French wineries pull their bootstraps up as well, which actually, in the long run, must have meant better wine, right? Mm. I mean, these wine experts genuinely are experts. They're tasting for what is the best wine. And when you ask why is it that California was able to win, it's partly because... To an extent, this idea that only in France do you have the right conditions, the right grapes, the right earth to make world-class wine. That idea in itself was hokum, and it's been proven that you can do it all over the world since, Australia, Chile, etc. But it's also partly because the French weren't trying. They weren't trying because they'd established to themselves they made the best wine, and they just hadn't thought to challenge that. Whereas Californians, as challengers, had invested in new technology, new ways of making wine, which eventually the French ended up imitating.
0: But even then, California only had 300 wineries in the 1970s, and today there's about 3,000. So, you know, even despite all this investment and the fact that Americans must have had some sense that they could grow grapes that could produce good wine in their own country... At the same time, that snobbery is hugely important. You know, like, like any time you go to drink wine, I think if someone tells you it's a good one, then in your brain you think, well, this is probably a good one. And if they tell you that it's a bad one, or you, even the price of, a, of a, a bottle of wine impacts your feeling about it, or at least it does me. I'm, perhaps I'm <laughs> giving away, <laughs> away a lot about myself. But I think that this reconfiguration of the world and where it's possible for good wine to come from was massive in terms of the everyday consumers idea of what good wine is but also the producers too who were like okay well if we're allowed to produce good wine then let's go ahead and produce good wine.
1: Yeah and I mean some French wine lovers were able to take this incident on the chin apparently there was a sudden influx of French tourists who wanted to go to California's wine regions and see this magical area for themselves others however not so sanguine so one of the judges was actually asked to step down as the head of the Appellation Contrôlée Authority, which is the authority that decides which regions are allowed to use, which terms, you know, champagne can only come from the Champagne region, etc. And another one was asked to resign as head of Paris's Restaurant Association.
0: Meanwhile, that top-marked red wine, that bottle from Stag's Leap, uh, entered the Smithsonian Institute and was honoured as one of the 101 objects that made America alongside Alexander Graham Bell's telephone.
1: Yeah, and just... Just two months ago, a bottle of that same vintage, the Stag's Leap Cabernet Sauvignon, sold for $12,300.
0: That's me. I did that with my uh, with my bonus <laughs> from the last episode. <laughs> Tomorrow.
1: So on the first day, what would normally happen was that they would play cricket. And then on the second day, they would demonstrate some of their native pursuits.
0: Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.